What is up, mentors? Uh, I love talking to people who have innovative business models, stuff that I have never heard of before. So I talk to a whole lot of entrepreneurs uh, and people doing really cool stuff. Man, the guy I just talked to runs a multinational fertilizer company. And it's really interesting for a couple of reasons. And the reasons I want you to pay attention to are one, the business that you're in is not necessarily going to be the business that you love or your passion. And two, most people fail for their first several companies until they find something that works. So by listening to things like this, you get exposure to ideas that may not have crossed your mind. So I want you to go into this episode with a very open mind and think about what business ideas could be right around the corner, maybe under your nose, stuff that your family and friends might be doing. You should always be looking for opportunities to innovate and opportunities to take something that you see and encounter as a consumer that it's done really badly and do it much better. So to have that conversation, I've got a good friend here, Ryan Rodney, and he has built a very innovative business model, one that, uh, like I said, I have not had the pleasure of dissecting before, so I'm excited to jump into it right now. So I'm going to let Ryan kind of take the wheel for a second, uh, introduce yourself, and tell us what it is that you do. Thank you so much, Jay. Uh, my name is Ryan Rodney, founder and CEO of Riverbound Custom Storage and RV Park. What we do is we build custom storage facilities and RV parks across the nation. We have our flagship property located in Lake Havasu City, Arizona. It's right on Highway 95, about eight minutes north of the city limits. And essentially what we've done here, Jay, is we've taken advantage of a very strong demand, a very strong push for boat and RV storage and RV park use. Um, if you look at the concept, it's unique for a handful of reasons, but the one that sticks out the most, and I think what separates us and puts us in a different category uh, compared to most, is the fact that we've taken luxury storage uh, for boats, RVs, campers, off-road toys, and we have essentially blended that with RV park use. So we have taken the two industries and we have put them underneath one umbrella and we've called it Riverbound Custom Storage and RV Park. I'd love to know your thought process going into fusing the two ideas. Was it just like, all right, I can have this land and I want to have it as, as unmanaged as possible. So what are my options here? We can storage, obviously it doesn't require too much service on your part and RV parks, it's mostly self-service as well. Does that sound about right? How did you get the idea to host those two different businesses within one umbrella? Sure, uh, going into it, our original concept was just gonna be standalone luxury storage. Uh, we wanted something to really stick out and then we kind of got into the details, we got into the design and we, looked at comparables. We looked at RV parks in Lake Havasu and, you know, Northwest Arizona as a whole. And we just started to scribble on the back of a napkin and we're like, well, let's take, you know, our concept that has low overhead, uh, traditionally storage facilities and RV parks, to your point, they have low operating expenses. So we loved that. And we said, well, we don't want to just be another storage facility on, on the block. How can we throw a little twist into this and, you know, make it unique? So we, uh, we came up with a building design, fantastic team of people that we put together, and we just started to really drill down on the design. And we said, well, if we take, you know, a, 
uh, a luxury storage unit that's fully insulated. We spare no expense on that design. If we attach a scenario where somebody can stay there as well and have full RV hookups, put the two together, we came up with our configuration that has the storage unit concept and attached to that is a lean-to where a, uh, a camper, RV, or whatever can pull in and have their water, their sewer, and their electrical. So then that opened up a can of worms. We said, okay, if people are going to, you know, be here six months or even a year, um, you know, full time, we've got to put in some amenities to keep them busy. So we got into fuel pumps. We got into a convenience store, golf driving range, dog park, go to the website and check it out. It's just like uh, people were like, well, this is kind of like Disneyland out in the desert, which is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. And a couple of things I want to harp on for entrepreneurs who maybe don't own storage facilities, but still want to get some value out of this lesson is that you had an idea that was already being done and you had most of the pieces in place to add this, you know, additional la la layer of service on that was going to increase your revenue. And it might not be an RV park. You might have a, an agency. I mean, you might have a brick and mortar store, but start thinking about what other things can you add on that you're already built for, that you already have the staff for or the space for that can increase your bottom line. And I think this is a great example of you thinking outside of the box and doing exactly that. So tell me what is, been the effect since you added added this accessory service? Uh, have you seen you know revenue increase? Has it brought people who may have been looking for item number one to purchase item number two and, and vice versa? Uh, sure. Uh, at, at the very start of it, because it was, you know, uh, quote unquote, one of a kind, um, our sales were very stagnant because it really hadn't uh, baked itself or worked itself into the marketplace. So there were a lot of people that were driving up to the facility, they were touring it, and they're like, well, I just don't know, I don't want to be the first one in. You know, they, they didn't really want to absorb that kind of risk because there was really no community at that point. Um, and we just made some adjustments. I think any entrepreneur that's going to start any type of business, uh, just a couple words of advice, be ready to pivot, be ready to change up your business model. Uh, you might think that you have it down pat uh, from the get-go. Um, if, if that's the case, then you're very lucky, but just be prepared to have an open mind and, you know, make some changes until you find that, you know, that sweet spot. Um, so I would say what has really come about and brought a tremendous amount of value to our bottom line is the fact that we have built a community at Riverbound, which was something I really kind of underestimated because we have that living component with the RV park use and folks are able to stay there year round. These people are calling Riverbound their home. They've literally sold their home. They've downsized, moved into something a little more recreational and quite frankly, a little more economical for them. And we have really blossomed the community aspect of it. And that has been fantastic. And, uh, you know, since COVID reared its ugly head, uh, just being outdoors, outdoor recreation as a whole, if we look at the numbers and the statistics, um, anything outdoor recreation related is on fire. So after uh, a few residents moved in, they told their friends and their family and they kind of followed suit. Uh, we really beefed up our marketing. We adjusted our prices, made some changes to the overall business model. And now we've got some 90 or so residents uh, in phase one of our project. And, you know, they're hanging out together. They're sharing appetizers. They're watching games together. They've made friends. 
and uh, the, the community aspect of it, to answer your question, is, has been a, a pleasant surprise. Such a cool thing. A couple of points I want to dive a little bit deeper into. One is you mentioned be ready to pivot as an entrepreneur, and I agree with you. I think it's so important, especially when you talk about trying to innovate and come out with new ideas and try to educate people about something that they're not already looking for can be a challenge. And a lot of entrepreneurs are shocked that people don't actually want what they're selling. Uh, not necessarily talking about your idea, but definitely important for, for entrepreneurs and business owners to, to leave your ego at the door. Uh, you, can, you should try it. You should try the thing that you want to do, especially if you think it's a good idea. Go out there and practice. Ask people, try and sell it. But leave your ego, at, check your ego and be ready to pivot. I'm curious, especially uh, since you mentioned nobody wants to be the first one in. As an owner of kind of a, a community, someone who's starting a community, how do you incentivize somebody to be the first one to move into your neighborhood? It's kind of lonely. It's kind of scary, I guess, being the first kind of trailer in there. What, what's the deal? Yeah, for sure. Um, so at the get-go, uh, like you said, left the ego at the door, told myself, you don't know everything. You, you got you to gotta listen. So I surrounded myself around uh, some real estate professionals and just really uh, some awesome people. And just started to kind of, you know, take their advice. Uh, I listened and asked people that we were touring at the facility that at that time did not buy. Uh, you know, what would it take for you to buy? You know, what what is it that we would have to kind of change up here to get you in the door? And you listen to that. And if it, you know, pencils out and it makes sense and it's profitable for your business, you obviously you make that change. So for us, uh, when we opened the doors, um, our opening date was 4th of July, 2020. We did not have one sale out there for about six months. Wow. Um, and we had, we had been building the facility for close to two and a half years. So just imagine the, you know, the pain and the uncertainty, you know, that was going through, you know, my noodle and everybody else that was, you know, on board and part of the team, you know, we're thinking we have a white elephant here, you know, we're, yeah. uh, but we hung in there, we doubled down, got, uh, you know, worked that much harder. Um, we threw some uh, concessions out there to the market, uh, we threw in some, you know, uh, for an example, a free epoxy floor. Um, we threw in a free air conditioning. Uh, we waived some of the association dues. Uh, so we threw some bait in the water to kind of see how that would work. And we ended up six months later, we had, you know, one sale, two sale, three sales. And then January 2021, it was like um, the deal gods opened up and the, uh, yeah, it was like, it was just an onslaught. It was just one sale after another and it felt good. And I look back, I kind of reflected, you know, I like to meditate in the morning, kind of put my plan together. And, you know, part of that, I was like, it was worth the pain. It was worth the three years of extremely hard work, seven days a week, constantly on the phone, constantly emailing. I mean, no break. So as an entrepreneur, give you some advice, just be prepared to become a workaholic. <laughs> Right. And it's a roller coaster of emotion, too. And you have to be a workaholic even through the bad times. I'm sure, 2020 was scary. And a lot of people, I'm sure, would have, would have given up six months in and, and no one's buying what they're selling. Uh, but you never know, you know when you're two inches from gold. And it's, sometimes it's one offer, one tweak, one change in your marketing and your message, and then everything changes for you. Uh, so walk me through, I guess, your biggest challenge attracting people, because you must have made a change. Something must have shifted. Maybe it was a single concession or a single person re referred that was sending you business. Like what was the what was the difference maker for you? 
Um, you know, that, that's a good question. Um, we definitely got more aggressive with our marketing, uh, with social media, um, and just really diving into, you know, the community and spreading our wings and all of our efforts there. Uh, we became a member of the Chamber of Commerce um, and all of the contractors that we used to actually build the facility, uh, you know, they jumped on board. So we just started to kind of break it down with them and chop it up. And, you know, they actually uh, started to, you know, help us out and market it with us because they knew that if this was going to be successful, that they would have a job in phase two. So we uh, kind of reverted back to the the team and all of the folks that helped us, uh, you know, bring it to, to life up until that point. So it was really, you know, a, a team effort. And um, I, I just think it was timing. You know, uh, it was just, you know, piece by piece. You know, you get one tenant in there and another one. And then, like I said, I think uh, the referral aspect of um, of the business really kicked in. And before you know it, people were actually calling up over the phone, sight unseen. They didn't even go and check it out. They just saw the website. We made a lot of changes to the website that really enhanced that so people could, uh, you know, see it firsthand. And they were calling in over the phone. I'd like to buy a unit. I was like, we went from, you know, six months of crickets to now yeah. somebody calling in over the phone and, uh, and buying a unit. So it, it was great. And you said one other thing that I think is impactful, and that was when someone wasn't buying and asking for, for feedback, like what could we have done different? What, what can we change? And I think that's a really important lesson for entrepreneurs. We have so many blind spots, especially since we're so distracted with sales, marketing, operations, systems, leadership that it's hard to identify where we could lose somebody. It could be as simple as a word, something that they saw while out in the field, an interaction they had with someone on your team. And it's hard to find those, those problems and make those changes if you don't ask. So asking is so important. How did you implement kind of feedback in your process? Where do you implement it? Is it just on sales calls? Uh, what, do, what do you do there? Um, well, the staff uh, that we had and that we currently uh, do have uh, that runs operations all the way from our general manager to our store clerk to uh, our maintenance. Uh, we also have full-time real estate agents. And that was one thing that we would, uh, you know, bring up in our meetings uh, is, you know, when we're taking folks out for tours, you know, let's, you know, um, absorb the information and the, the comments that they're making, um, you know, whether it be, um, you know, the, the gravel on the ground or, you know, what was your first impression of you coming into the facility? Just the, the little small things uh, that you can um, that you can change up that might make a world of difference. So to answer your question, it was the people uh, at the facility that were just keeping their ears to the ground. And then I would reconvene with them as the owner or, you know, uh, you know, developer, whatever. And I would listen to, you know, their feedback that they would get firsthand from the people that they were taking on tours. And I would take notes, um, make the adjustments, make the changes. And then before you know it, uh, we had, you know, a fine-tuned uh, machine. So it was um, just a matter of listening, you know, using your ears and, um, and applying, you know, the feedback. It's a process for sure. Now, talk to me, Ryan, what is scaling this business look like? What are your plans? Kind of what, how can you get to the next level? Is it expanding the current location? Do you want to be all over the country? Do you want to dominate California? What does the, the next step look like? Uh, for sure. Uh, thanks for asking that. Our, um, our next step, uh, we just purchased a 50-acre parcel outside of Boise, Idaho. 
Um, so we are in the process of moving dirt and improving that piece of property. Um, I would love to go nationwide with it. I don't see why not. We've got a couple other properties in Arizona uh, that we have acquired as well. I think uh, it makes sense to, um, you know, dominate the market that you're currently in to the best of your ability. Um, and obviously it gets excessively hot in Arizona during the summertime. So I think having the Idaho um, alternative will be a nice trade-off for the customers if they want to, um, you know, purchase a unit there. They can get away from, you know, the, the super hot heat in the summertime and go enjoy, you know, the, the mountains up in Idaho and have the same concept, uh, the same uh, type of, you know, building configuration and amenities as they have at Riverbound. And I got turned on to Idaho uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, it's a pro-growth market, uh, very pro-business, but I was looking at our list of customers that we have in phase one at Riverbound, and I noticed that a chunk of them were from Idaho. So the light bulb went on there, started to look at property. And uh, last month, as a matter of fact, we just closed on a piece about 20 minutes outside of Boise, uh, right at the um, uh, I-84 Highway 20 interchange which gets you to Sun Valley. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but, you know, I'm a big believer in paying tuition only one time. I want to, uh, you know, take, you know, um, the, the lessons learned and the mistakes that we made at Riverbound and go into our expansion, you know, with a, a better idea of, you know, how to avoid those certain mistakes and, uh, you know, just run it uh, hopefully a, a, a little better than the way that we're running it now. You learn a little bit each time. Uh, and it's a it's a process for sure. Now, for the listeners who are like, I want to open a mobile park home or a storage facility. This sounds like something that maybe isn't the best first business idea for entrepreneurs because it takes a lot of upfront capital. At least it sounds like it does. So I'd love to hear kind of your entry into the industry. Was this your first company? Uh, where did you get the, in the initial investment? Was it a big initial investment? Uh, it was, uh, you know, we're, you're talking about 160 acres of land uh, that we acquired. Uh, this was my, you know, my first company that I was the sole owner of. Uh, previous to that, I worked for an organization and uh, did really well, uh, learned a lot at the employee level, and an opportunity came my way to kind of branch off and start, you know, my, my own enterprise. Um, so, you know, your own blood, sweat and tears, you know, you put in, you know, a lot of your own money and, you know, your family and your friends, you, you sit down and, you know, you run the idea by them, you tell them that you're all in and, you know, this is the way that you're going with it to kind of get that original seed money. And that's what, you know, helped us, you know, get things started. So since then, um, you know, we've done pretty well and, you know, working with our, uh, investor group. Um, you know, they're sharing in the profits, uh, from sales, uh, at Riverbound and, you know, they're all, they're all very pleased because it's, you know, it's working out. So I think as an entrepreneur, you need to be ready to, uh, not just, you know, become a workaholic, but also, um, you know, be prepared to, um, you know, get your hands on, you know, whether it be using a bank or whether it be using friends and family, uh, you're going to have to kind of juggle that aspect of it as well because you're going to be managing, you know, a, a nice chunk of cash and you want to make sure that, you know, you put yourself in the best possible position to, to win. And, you know, um, I'm big on integrity, you know, you do what you say and say what you mean. Um, somebody trusts you with, you know, their investment dollar. You want to make sure that you're putting a pair of boots and a pair of suspenders on it and making it work hard. Right. As soon as you take your family and your friend's money, you're not just losing your own stuff. 
That is a, a scary thought. I'm glad that everything worked out uh, in that, that initial investment. Uh, and definitely something to consider for, for people listening to this. You know, there's a lot of businesses that do require some upfront investment. And there's a couple ways to go about it. You know, you can approach uh, an angel investor or you can go with friends and family, which is going to be much easier and more and more trustworthy money. But again, it's your, your, you're not just playing with your own life savings anymore. Uh, so, Ryan, congratulations that, that, that that's all been successful. Just a, a couple final questions here that I like to ask all of our guests here on Mentors. And we can do this kind of rapid fire style. But one, is there any business guru or coach that is publicly accessible to the listeners that's been helpful or inspiring to you along the way? Someone people can find on YouTube and social media. Um, uh, to be honest, I've just had really good friends around me that have pointed me in the right direction. Um, that not necessarily, you know, a, a coach or a mentor, even though I'm a big believer in, you know, coaching and having a mentor. Um, I, I, I don't really know how to put my finger on it, but um, I, you know, just I, I guess I attracted some really um, awesome people that, you know, kind of filled that void and, you know, put me kind of on on the right track in terms of, uh, you know, just good work ethic and, you know, fulfilling, you know, what you're going to set out to do and kind of helping you see things, you know, that you don't necessarily see or know about yourself. Um, so, you know, that was, you know, an eye opener. Um, so just along the way, you know, I think uh, it's important to surround yourself around successful people and people that are, you know, driven to do the right thing. Um, I'm just a, a big believer in getting myself around, you know, my kind of people, good people. Right. And what's way more important than a good mentor is good friends. Uh, there's never been a truer statement in personal development that you are the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. I believe that wholeheartedly. Uh, last question, Ryan, is there a single book that you've read that's inspired you that you would recommend the listeners go and check out? Um, I love, uh, I, I love the Holy Bible. Uh, that, that's a good one. Uh, you could start there, um, along the way, just reading a lot of, uh, inspirational, uh, stories, um, not a single book in particular, um, but just reading success stories, uh, has kind of kept me on that right track, you know, just constantly, you know, filling my head up with, um, success stories, entrepreneur uh, stories, people that, you know, fell fat, you know, flat on their face and got back up and did it again. Um, I love that, um, that mentality, that growth mindset, um, and just kind of involving and reading about uh, people that have started, you know, from nothing or, you know, in, you know, a down and out type situation and just buckled down. You can't deposit excuses down at the bank um, and, just that mentality of really, you know, rolling up your sleeves, keeping your nose to the grindstone. Uh, that's, you know, my type of reading. So, um, you know, that's, that's where it's at. I love that you said that my favorite thing to consume, it's not books, it's not courses. It's how I built it videos and interviews with really successful entrepreneurs. Cause you, I feel like you get more from that, from seeing the mindset, seeing the struggle, how they adapted. Uh, and it just shows you that you can do it too. They're not much different than I am. They built a multi-billion dollar company. I can do that too. Uh, Ryan, for people that really liked uh, hearing from you today, where is the best place to follow along your journey and get in touch? Uh, sure. 
Um, I would start uh, by checking out our website, riverboundcustomstorage.com. From there, you can go to our YouTube channel. Uh, you can check out our Facebook and just kind of follow some of the social media. And then from there, you know, we've got an open door policy here at our corporate office. You can swing by any time, swing by the facility in Havasu. Um, yeah, at any time. Uh, you can get a hold of us. Um, our telephone number's on the website. So, um Swing in, check us out. Uh, we'd love to uh, connect with you. And guys, if you're listening, I'm scrolling through their Instagram page right now. And if you've listened to this episode, you're probably curious as to what this whole operation looks like. Go check out the Instagram page. It's going to be linked in the show notes here. Uh, give them a follow, shoot Ryan a message. And thank you all for listening. This has been a ton of fun, Ryan. Thank you for donating your time to me, to my audience. Uh, it's been a blast, brother. Hey, Jay, thank you so much. I look forward to working with you into the future. Um, it was absolutely my pleasure. And um, I look forward to talking with you again soon, man. You uh, and the audience, God bless you all. Have a good one.